I'm Christian, and welcome to the Gemoir Leadership Podcast, a show where we talk about effective collaboration, influence, and leadership in an increasingly complex world. My interview partner is Dr. Dirk Schlimm. Dirk is an international leadership expert and the author of Influencing Powerful People. The purpose of this podcast is to share ideas and stimulate discussion, and it does not constitute professional advice of any kind. If such advice is needed, the services of a competent professional should be sought. The speakers, hosts, and Gemar International Incorporated are not to be held responsible for any use, misuse, or reuse of the content. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Gemar Leadership Podcast. We're right now in a two-part series with David Beattie, OBE, and we're discussing board leadership at a time of great change. This is the second part of this interview, so please, if you haven't caught the first episode, go back, listen to that, and that will give you some context as we continue this great conversation. As a reminder, David Beattie is the Professor of Corporate Strategy and Governance at the University of Toronto and co-founding professor of the Black North Academy. As one of the world's most experienced corporate directors and educators, David has served as a director on 40 boards in Canada, the United States, Mexico, Australia, and England, and has been the chairman of nine public and two private companies. David is also the founder of the Canadian Directors Education Program, and he continues to teach in the program and provide oversight. Among David's many honors and achievements, three stand out. In 1994, David was made an officer of the most excellent order of the British Empire by Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II at Buckingham Palace for his services to Papua New Guinea. In 2013, David was inducted into the Order of Canada, the nation's highest civilian honor. He is the only recipient ever to be cited for his work on Canadian corporate governance. And in 2018, David was presented with a Lifetime Achievement Award by the International Corporate Governance Network, a grouping of global asset managers with more than 50 trillion of assets under management in 47 nations. Anyway, we're continuing this amazing conversation. I hope you will enjoy. So, so David, thanks for So we've talked about now three core uh, perspectives. And I hope we, we can get a bit more time from you here uh, right now. There, there are a couple of more things I, I'd like to get into uh, because we've talked about, and, and Christian mentioned that in the intro, that we live in a, a time of great change, a lot of turbulence. I think you, you talk about this disruption everywhere. Uh, I, I think I've, I've heard, you, heard you say that. And so with all of that, what's going on right now, what would you consider some of the hot topics uh, that should be on uh, any board agenda that are not just the usual things, but but things that that you would see as very important right now at this at this at this. Well, digital disruption in one form or another, I think, is the overwhelming force that's going to annihilate, in the opinion of Google CEO, fifty percent of the companies on the S and P five hundred won't be there in ten years. It's not because of takeovers; it's because they're going to be blindsided. Think about a taxi company and Uber suddenly appears. Marriott, the world's largest hotel company, has got a market cap below Airbnb. So is there a whole transformation occurring in the, in the, um, in the hotel business? Company after company is going to get dislocated by this digital. I call it the digital tsunami. It's overwhelming. You can't just hold your breath and it goes away. This is transformational stuff that changes businesses up completely. 
So I just did a study with Stanford and with Google on what boards are doing to adapt themselves to this reality. A number of things are happening and more directors are getting into boardrooms with some kind of digital savvy. You can do a word search in the US on, on their public communications because it's all the same kind of document. And I think we took something, David Larker and I took something in the order of 20 words that would indicate you were digitally savvy. And the number of directors appointed on US boards now is like three times greater than it was 10 years ago on being digitally savvy. Another thing that's happening, uh, which is available in a, in a website called CB Insights, because you can't get this stuff in the Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, the Toronto Globe and Mail report on business. It just isn't there. It's invisible in the private equity world, um, is, is the number of incubators that are being set up by companies. So I think it's the Royal Bank has a financial indicator company um, next door, but it's not part of any of the Royal Bank systems, procedures, budgeting, personnel, It's but it's there. At Collier's, we invested 50% in a company trying to disrupt commercial real estate, which was the business we were in. It's right next door to us. We own 50% of it, but it has nothing to do with Collier's day-to-day -day operations. But if Jay Hennick, the CEO, or David Beattie, the director, wants to say, what's happening to digital disruption in our industry? I just go next door. So that's an important thing that people are doing. Other parts of that are things like cybersecurity, which there's a million consultants in that now, but it's deemed to be, this is a stunner, Christian, so I won't ask you because you won't get it anywhere near right. The largest GDP in the world is the United States of America. The number two is China. If you imputed a GDP to hacking, and cyber and all of that stuff, it would be the third largest GDP in the world. Wow. Wow. It's a huge, I mean, it isn't, it isn't sort of on the side, oh, you might get hacked. Right. Michael, uh, what's his name? Michael, 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 help me, who teaches it for us in at Simon Fraser, uh, Michael Parent. Yeah. Michael says, wait a minute, Dirk, CEO, you're waiting to be hacked? Like you were hacked a year and a half ago. There are four hackers in your computer system resident there now, just, understanding how your system works, how your people work. It's already happened. They just haven't blackmailed you yet. Wow. So cybersecurity is a huge issue on board agendas. Um, the whole digital disruption includes that and many other things, but I think that's number one. Most prominent though in the media would be DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion, or ES&G, or climate change. Um, and those are important considerations beyond the shareholder return. But if there's no company that survives, <laughs> doesn't make a lot of difference whether there's D, E, and I in A, B, or C form, or whether you've got anything on climate change. If you go out of business, you're not effective on those matters anymore. So I think the dominant concern of most boards has to be survival through this tsunami. That would be my number one thing. Okay, so so that's that's good, and and again, that's something that should be on our board agenda. And we talked about earlier to have the right things on on the board agenda. Yeah. And here we we have another practical uh, practical insight for for that that that's sufficiently um, on on the agenda. Now, David, so far we've talked about I think mainly about boards in the for profit sector, uh, public company boards. You have experience with some very large public company boards, but of course there are also many private companies that have advisory boards. And just want to get your perspective. Do such voluntary boards, let's call them. Does it make sense? And how how can they 
um, add value? What's your what's your view? What's your view there? Well, I they are for profit. They're sorry, they are for profit. Yeah. Yes, for profit, but private well, for no, profit. Let's say yeah. All the yeah. private equity firms have a totally different governance model, and in mm -hmm. a way, it's because the owners and the managers aren't that separate. Yeah. So I've been on three or four private equity boards. I'm vice chairman of one of them. And the people on the board are, say, the 32-year-old analysts who studied the industry, studied the company, decided on the investment. So they know the business well. You don't have this problem of being an amateur expert. They're very involved, knowledgeable board. Um, and the way that those boards work, I think, is, is much closer to a small startup, which is what they are in a way. Uh, but we have Shastri Ramnath, who's in the mining industry, talking about startups in mining in Canada, where there's something like 400 startup mining companies. And one of her insights is the division between management and the board is just not that dramatic. It's not the Grand Canyon. It's an illusion. And we had Linda Maxwell, who was the um, CEO of the Mars, sorry, of CEO of the uh, Ryerson St. Michael's Hospital Incubator. And that's what she said. You've got to be prepared at any time as a director to jump in and say, oh, that's my expertise. I'm very good at this. Maybe I can help you. So the line is not nowhere near as, as, as sort of dramatic as we find the Grand Canyon metaphor in large publicly traded, widely held companies. So the board's very different. And the outcome of that is that they have different challenges, mainly maybe not much wisdom or perspective because they're all involved in the company. Um, and to that end, a great number of private equity firms and venture capital firms to some extent are getting independent directors to come on board to provide some, I think ma maturity would be a word possibly, or wisdom or perspective. I mean, I've seen the movie before and I'm not 32 years of age, I'm 62 years of age. So I have, I have a little more kind of perspective on where we are and how we're doing and what we ought to do. So there's a there's a complete migration, I think, in terms of board functions, board staffing, and the challenges that the boards face. Excellent. And uh, so we now talked about private for profit, but let's then talk about not for profit. So how how do those things that we just talked about here apply on a not for profit board? Very similar, different information chasm. What's no. what's what's your view on? Okay, no, I, context is everything. I start the section on family business governance with a picture of Anna Karenina, Tolstoy's great book. And the first line of that wonderful book is, every happy family is happy in the same way. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. <laughs> so another way of saying that is I'm really, I really understand clearly what's going on in Family X. And that's it. I really understand clearly what's going on in Family X. Doesn't help me understand Y, Z, or A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing occurs with not-for-profit organizations. They are all so dependent on their missions, the competencies of the, of the executives, the interests of the directors, the circumstances of their you know, industry, if they're in the arts or business. It, it just, it all depends. So I don't have any generic rules beyond understand where you invest your time. That's non-trivial. Make sure that your chair is active, involved, and helps orchestrate the board and its functioning. And try to ensure that the next person you pick for chair can develop a very close relationship with the CEO. Those three things, I think, would all stand the test of time. But other than that, 
you've got to get in, interview people, interview them, and it's going to take a ton of time to come up with here are two or three things you might do to make the board more effective in terms of the long-term sustainability of the enterprise. Yeah, thanks. I think that that's good uh, um, good advice that, as you said, will apply uh, across the board. So um, those are the, the questions I had. But before we let you go here, <laughs> so you, you you mentioned this. I've 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 seen I've seen the movie before. So that is the you know you you have seen a lot of situations, and and so with that comes some sometimes crystallizing certain points. So maybe that that would be my my last question for you. If if I say hey after after all of this, based on the things you have seen, what is your crystallized advice for board members? Maybe think about somebody who is is their first board appointment. They're getting into this and they 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 want to become a better board member. What are you, what, what's your crystallized three big insights there? If I'm contemplating a, a board appointment, or this is my first well, time. Well, I think I think I'll give you the answer for a mere twenty five thousand dollars Canadian. That's what I do for a living. <laughs> I don't think there, I mean, I, I recognize that it's a different job. I say to all of the people who are wannabe directors, get on the board of a not-for-profit. Understand what it's like being on the other side of the table. Everybody's been in a managerial position where there are direct reports, there are responsibilities, you're held accountable, all that stuff. This is entirely different. Sit on the other side of the table and understand what being a director is versus a manager. Mm -hmm. And unless you do that, you're going to be pretty hopeless. Um, they're all, there's a nut, wonderful book, actually, by Sandra Guerra called Inside the Black Box of the Boardroom. All of the stuff we do to measure boards, and I did it for 20 years at the coalition, was measure inputs. You know, height, weight, color of eyes, um, gender, ethnicity, age. On and on and on. They're all inputs. Once these things walk into the boardroom, what happens? They don't have any ideas. She interviewed a whole bunch. She's the number one director in terms of her celebrity in South America. She's Brazilian. And her book interviewed, I think, something as many as 200 Brazilian directors about what works in the boardroom. What are you, who are the worst directors in the boardroom? Who are the best directors in the boardroom? And she has a lot of practical wisdom from the experience of all of her Brazilian colleagues on that. But number one, I'd say get some experience on the other side of the board and then begin to worry about whether you talk too much, whether you don't talk enough, whether you do your reading beforehand, whether you understand it, whether you invest the time you need to. A lot of questions that are really involved in your personal commitment to that board, because if you don't have it, when things go wrong, you're not going to have the time to help. And if you don't have it, I think it's going to be very apparent to the management team that Christian never reads his briefings. Um, you know, he's, and, he, and he's on his iPhone, he's on his phone doing emails for two thirds of the board meeting. And once he does talk, we can't shut him up. Not quite unlike his father, who we have to encourage, say, Dirk, please, please talk to us about That's this. Right. You know, you've had 50 years of experience. What is your view? So self-awareness of you in a meeting is vital. The bottom line of everybody I've interviewed as to what makes a good director is the self-awareness of yourself in a social setting. So it's in a way, it's your social savvy. The amygdala of your brain has the bright ideas and the emotive responses. Wait a minute, that's not, that can't possibly be right. God damn it, Dirk, where'd that come from? But it's gotta be filtered by the frontal cortex to ask yourself, is this an appropriate way to ask this question at this group in this time in this way? 
And so this thing has to work really, really well to be effective. I've had a number of personal experiences where I've been completely ineffective in trying to persuade a board of directors of something that I thought was really important. And I take that as my fault, my problem, that I didn't get this right in terms of my social communication filtering as to how to present this to my colleagues. So I'd say, number one, get on the other side, get some experience on that. Number two, be very self-aware of yourself and very self-aware of yourself in social settings because your effectiveness as a director is gonna be completely dependent upon that sorting ability from the frontal cortex. Yeah. Yeah, David, thank you for that. And I think that's a, a big point that we have to take responsibility for our own effectiveness. I mean, we yeah. can blame everybody around us, but no, it's, it's, it's up to you to, to, to make it work and make it happen. I think it's a, a great point to, to uh, leave us on. So those are the questions we had, Christian. You know, you were called upon here a few times yeah. Uh, yeah. With, your, with, your, with your assessment. I think that's a, that's a first for you on the, on the, on yeah. the podcast. So that has been uh, fun. But I see you're smiling, uh, which, which is something we, we, we have learned here as well. So yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> don't forget to smile. That's it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. So I'll hand it back to you, Christian, for some uh, closing comments here. But, but thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much. Yeah, no, that that was wonderful, David and Dirk. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I get to join these interviews where I learned so much. This is the first time where my notes went on to two pages, so I have to be selective in my my summary here. And uh, I could say the smile point. I will definitely be applying that soon. I'm speaking at some academic conferences, and I know now if I get a question from someone in the audience asking me something, maybe I don't know too well. Make sure to have that big smile. Well, I think, you know, and Christian, it's use yeah. it as an opportunity to get into a dialogue with that person as opposed to an attack on you. So you end up defensively. Well, what do you mean? I didn't think of that. Of course, <laughs> I thought of that. Right. Really, it's well, an opportunity for a board and a management team. I always say, leave a gap, leave a gap that Dirk can find, because then Dirk will say, well, David, it seems to me uh -huh. when you came to this decision, you didn't consider that in much detail. And I would say, God, Dirk, you know, you're probably right. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it with quite that same. It's, it's in other words, it's an entrance to a dialogue to pull out of him mm -hmm. something that otherwise is going to stay buried. So, when somebody asks you a question, never be defensive. Always go to them. See it as an opening to develop a greater understanding of your own and a better result for the business. Oh, thank you, David. That is, that is so helpful. I will <laughs> definitely be applying that. So. I will do my best here with all my notes to give us, as we typically do, three three takeaways for our audience. And I'll ask you at the end, either of you, if there's some last words here. So let me just highlight a few things here. So uh, the first point that I believe we have to take away is that, especially we're talking about boards and board effectiveness, to be that effective board and not just a busy board, you must incorporate three lines of sight. And those were hindsight, oversight, and foresight. And you have to be sure to allocate time accurately to or appropriately to each of them. And I, I love the the distinction that you drew between investing time and spending time. That was very helpful. The second point that I have here is that typically in most situations, there is a vast information chasm. And we spoke about the Grand Canyon between the board of directors and the, the management team. Therefore, board members need to be brought into the picture and used to share language to be effective. And we spoke about the delivery and that's where a smiling came in as well. And the third point that I have here is that the board plays a critical role in establishing an effective and value, or sorry, the board chair plays an effective and critical role in a, uh, establishing an effective 
and value adding board. And that's the image of the conductor and the orchestra not dominating, but allowing those conversations to happen. And this includes looking after the skilled mix, building strong relationships. You mentioned the board chair and the CEO where strong connection there and making sure that time is being properly allocated all around. If I'm talking too much, someone has to politely let me know and let others at the, the board share their mind. So that was a lot. I have a lot more notes here, but if people, if I miss something, they're welcome to listen to this again. But as <laughs> always, I, I wanna ask you, David and Dirk, any last words for us here? Well, I think, I think boards have been very difficult since they were first created in 1602 by the Dutch East India Company. They're sort of an unnatural construct. You get 10 people to come in and spend a little bit of time worrying about this, that, or the other, and going on with their lives in other places. So they never worked all that well. And we've seen that in our own century. You know, WorldCom, Adelphia, Health South, A-Hold, they've all collapsed. Wells Fargo in the last little while, you could say Boeing, Bombardier. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Theranos, there's a beauty. Um, where there was absolutely no oversight, no correction, no business judgment, and the whole thing just collapses. So it's a very unnatural construct. And, and therefore, I think it's very hard for any board at any time in any industry to add value. But I think that should be the aspiration. And I absolutely love the McKinsey mindset for the, for the executives. How do we help the board help us? And I just leave you with that. How do we help the board help us? Yeah, so uh, David, thanks for that. To, to me, it was really, on the one hand, we talked about the difference being between a manager and being a board member. And I think we had some good thoughts there. Uh, but then some of the things that described for that make an exact, uh, effective board member or chair do apply across the board. I think this issue of self-awareness, I come across that, that all the time as, is so important and and again that that was another highlight for me today to to point that out and and the the importance of building strong strong relationships so uh yeah david thanks again christian okay. you're gonna gonna close us off here uh, i see everybody is smiling so that's, that's good. okay christian thanks i'll drop the call okay thank you both thank very you. much bye-bye right. all right Thank you everyone for joining us here on the Jamoir Leadership Podcast. We're so grateful that David was able to join us for this conversation. We hope that you enjoyed and that again, there was so much there, please feel free to listen. And as always, if you enjoyed, please send us an email or a comment, let us know what you're thinking, any responses, any further questions. But as always, we look forward to you joining us here again in a couple of weeks for another edition of the Jamoir Leadership Podcast. Take care until then, bye.